What? Opening. I was playing the opening music. Oh, is that our no? What? Did, how does our opening sound? <laughs> What's the safe word? That's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sue though for that. I'm suing. I'm suing. <laughs> I'm suing. Roll the opening. <laughs> Welcome back to What's Your Safe Word. I'm Amp. And I'm Stefan. And this is the Sex Education Podcast. It's got a few kinks in this week. The kink that we're missing is daddy, but you know what? I think that's okay, right? Yeah. What, what, what do you have to say about that? Say about that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, I'm, yeah. Stefan's been on the podcast before and as you can see it's been a minute I'm gonna need a sentimental man or woman to pump me up pump me up pump me up ah not under the table (laughs) no today uh, Stefan came on to not only answer some questions that you guys had but also to talk about a recent book now Stefan is a good friend of the show you've been on we've done what charades we did Jeopardy Uh, we've had you on for cancel culture as a podcast topic Mm -hmm. um but for all intents and purposes, Stefan, would you say you're, I, I would say, here, I'm writing your bio now. Okay. Activist, lawyer, ethical slut, author. And would you like to add anything else to that? Uh, attorney, cum dump, okay. faggot. Can we see all these things? What um, can I say? What can I not say? Okay, we're gay, so I'll allow it, but only because it's you. I'll, uh, uh, boundary pusher. You're boundary very, you're very pusher, good at pushing DP, the- DP, I like DP as well. Did I ever tell you about the dinner party that my friend said was a DP and didn't know that DP stood for dinner party? Was that the one Jesus was at? No. Wait, what? The Last Supper? Wasn't that a DP? Anyway, and today I wanted to have Stefan on not only because of all these things that are very like Venn diagram to my own personal ethics and morals, um, although some of your morals I question, but just what was it last week or what's, what was your official date? It was like a week what? and a half ago of your book. Oh, my You just okay. got a book. You made a book happen. So the official release date was October 11th, which was National Coming Out Day. Uh, But on Fulsome, we found out that it was done printing earlier. So it actually started shipping and getting to people the week before, which is pretty exciting. That's very exciting. So, Stefan, I'm not going to take all of the the wind out of your sails because you got some big sails. But you just uh, you just had a book come out. You just published a book that is. Is it an autobiography? Is that how it's technically stated? Or I think it's like memoirs. Mem- oh, oh, memoirs of a gay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Blue Movie. And I was lucky enough to be not only quoted uh, mm, uh, on the back of the book, which thank you again for letting me read it early, um, but one of the first people that had their eyeballs on it. And as somebody who's had my eyeballs on you many times, um, <laughs> no, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being serious. Uh, it was touching. It was terrifying. I did have to skim some parts that had to do with needles because you know how I am about needles. Um, but do you want to kind of give the audience kind of a background on what it is? It's like, it, it was. I would say it's your journey to figure out who you are, but how would you describe it? Sure. Uh, so, hi, I'm Gail Weathers, author of The Woodsboro Murders. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the book, the book is called Blue Movie. Uh, we did a play on the words blue because my poor name is blue, but also blue movie is being kind of like raunchy, perverted, blue humor, humor, um, kind of like very much leaning into the dark aspects of my life. Um, <laughs> I mean, as I, as you know, I just celebrated one year sober, uh, and my substance of use is meth. Um, so I kind of wanted to touch on that and I wanted to, I found a lot of interesting life experiences, um, I wanted to convey them kind of from the framework of a horror movie. Uh, I wanted to kind of give that horror element to it. My favorite artist is, or not artist, my favorite author is Brett Easton Ellis. Uh, he's written like The Rules of Attraction, American Psycho, Less Than Zero. Great books and movies. Um, and they're all very kind of matter of fact and detailed and to the point, like on very specific parts of culture. So I thought uh, telling my story would be an interesting way to kind of talk about porn culture, talk about HIV, talk about my life in ways that a lot of people like haven't had access to before in the past. Well, not just access to, but no representation of, I think is a more valid way to kind of state it because I think that there's plenty of people that could talk about it, but not a lot of people that that do, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. Like, especially, like, in recovery, I think there's a lot of things that people, like, think and feel and experience they have, but they don't necessarily talk about it. 
Uh, and I could see in like specific recovery communities, it can maybe be seen as glorifying the use or not. Um, but oh God, no. I don't want to use anything after that. Oh, okay, okay, good, yeah, good. Let me just know. <laughs> so not to cut you off, but like, I do want to give a background to the book of like, it's, it's, there's trauma, there's love, there's trauma. Trauma. <laughs> wait, wait. Trauma. Trauma. Oh, is it echoes? Is echo? there's, echo. there's also, uh, if you want to say something as a demon. <laughs> anyway, trauma. Um, we're going to go see Jimmy Lee Curtis later at the theater. But um, the movie, the movie, the book that hopefully, who would play you? Who would play me? <laughs> uh kyle richards the leather icon oh yes. okay okay so i was i was fortunate enough to be part of the microwise leather men shoot and <laughs> we went to uh a gallery viewing of it here in san francisco uh to find out that kyle richards real housewives kyle richards oh you're one of those gays is, i forget this about you sometimes. is apparently a leather icon and is now part of the Leatherman project Okay. Well, why? How do we get a part of that? What the fuck? Is anyway. that a read? But yes. Uh, <laughs> but I also forget that you are a huge Drag Race. What other Housewives? What I mean, other trashy shows do you watch? And I say trashy lovingly. I'm I'm all here for the fandom. I I think I'm just an all around pop culture junkie. You watch so many things. You okay? We're gonna see Halloween later. Yes. You've already seen the movie how many times? Like three? Once. Okay. How many movies? How many times are you gonna see it? Well. Exactly. Yeah. So this one already has his his Halloween Christmas tree up. Um, <laughs> I do. Big Halloween horror fan, and so that's very present in the book. But also, what what is present in the book is a lot of drugs, drug use, um, mistakes, and and choices. Insert Tatiana. But but <laughs> but I say that not only like lovingly, and like oh my god, what the fuck? I'm so glad you're here still. But as a, a gay that's also made mistakes in my past some of them might not have been as bad as some of the things that are happening in the book um but i definitely made tons of mistakes that if i could have protected myself or even other gays back in the day like i'm lucky to to still be hiv negative and to you know still be healthy but for now okay. wow okay wow don't put that out there <laughs> fast forward no um but there are plenty of instances in my life that could have gone bad or could have been dangerous. And so reading through that was not traumatic for me, but was like vicariously. It was like, oh my God. Oh, oh. <laughs> and again, not giving away things, but like love, death, and robots. Was there a robot? There was love and death, but was there a robot in that book? Mm, no. But we're saving <laughs> that for the sequel. Got it. Uh, Blue Movie 2, Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> there we go. That's the robot. And Boogaloo is the name of the new STI strain that you create, right? Yeah, of course. Cool. I've always wanted okay. to have an STI Lovely. named after me. Jesus. I tried my hardest with monkeypox. Top 40 in San Francisco. Did you know that? I did know that. Um, but it also talks a lot about sex work and porn. Um, and I think I think does do a good job of both glamorizing porn and sex work, but also stigmatizing it in a cautionary way. Not in like a sex work is bad, but in like a sex work can be freeing in many ways, but is also like really harmful to your mental health if you don't like how to handle it, right? Yeah, I mean, I have nothing against sex work oh, per se. We should, I mean, we should yeah, be very yeah. clear about that. We're very sex positive, still do the sex work, like, but... I think you have to be like built for it. And there was a time that I was very built for it and it worked for me, but it doesn't really work for kind of my life right now. And it doesn't work for everyone. Um, like, even with, like, OnlyFans and just for fans, like, I have to remind myself to send this message out. I don't upload content to it that much anymore, and I don't really shoot that much anymore because I'm not really, like, just having sex that much. And when I do have sex, I I want it to be kind of, like, personal, and yeah. I don't want to have the camera there. Adding the camera does add a fun element to it, and when I have extra time to to have that experience, that's great. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just... With limited time, it's not the experiences that I'm looking for right now. Honestly, same. Like, I have a whole library of content because content creators, blah, like porn, sex work. And also, I have daddy, Christopher, who is much more like that is part of his everyday work. Mm -hmm. And so there is more of an element there. And I'm not against it. I'm very much into it. I love when I have content I can post. But, like, I feel like just this last month, I've had some breathing room after events to be like, 
okay, we've got some free time. I'm the masochist that loves to see that I have spoons to use, you know, that analogy. And then I immediately find something to like fill it with. Um, whereas you have a hole and you fill that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was looking at it. I was like, I don't make as much sex work, but I finally started like talking to old friends that I've been having sex with in a nice casual way. And they are also porn people. And I'm like, would you like to film things? And finding it casually just kind of progressed to there. And I think that that's, I don't know, the healthiest form of sex work I've ever done where I didn't feel obligated um, where I didn't feel like I needed this for my paycheck, you know? Yeah. And I didn't feel pressured into it. Not that I've ever been pressured into it, but there's always society. There's your your Instagram and Twitters that you need to keep up. Social media. There's, you know, a bit of a, maybe a monetary thing if you're living off of that heavily. But I feel like I'm at like my healthy sex work state, you know? Yeah, I feel like... I feel like it's more like internal pressure than external. I think that like as a performer having like a fan page, like you want your fans to be happy. You want to put out consistent content. Be happy. And it's, yeah. And if you're not doing that, then it, it kind of feels at least for me, like a letdown, like, oh, you're paying me for this and I'm barely uploading, you Are know? Are we part-time sex workers? What's up? Are we part-time sex workers? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just put that on my resume. Because I feel that there's there's people online that like mil make millions a year doing the OnlyFans thing, but it's work. They're constantly it's work. filming. They're constantly mm -hmm. promoting. I have Amaranth just... is or Belle Delphine. No, Jessica Negri. No, okay. Are mind. these Harry Potter characters? Inspecto Patronum. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, <laughs> Inspecto. Uh, what's inside your asshole? Are there any muscles in there? Uh, what I think is there's it? a dribble up there. Oh, Expecto Dribbellium. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> fuck jk rowling um hey last time we talked about fuck jk rowling that was our cancel culture episode yeah it was yeah oh, cancel culture don't you love it never works um and she's still an asshole anyway speaking of assholes there's assholes in your book yeah um there's lots of sex so again i don't want to give away too much uh love death and robots though season three when are you coming out and do you watch love death and i robots? love love yeah oh. that's great oh my favorite one is um the the traveler that gets lost and finds like his love that ends up being that spider that's basically like you're lost out here no one's gonna save you do you want me to oh. like start the simulation again so you can be happy yeah, yeah that oh. was my favorite one my favorite is the siren and the the gritty like realistic movements and animated that's style the, from the new season right yeah yeah that's that is really my good. favorite because it's so gritty and like the animation is is great and there's i mean there's tons of blood okay. which you love right I like I don't blood? think I actually finished that one. Do I like blood? Yes and no. So my I love horror. Yes. I will watch most like anything that's horror. Um, I like more when like the reason why I'm obsessed with the Halloween movies is because it doesn't rely on blood. Hmm. Um, I, it's the stalking that freaks me out, uh, and it's kind of like letting your mind fill it in. Uh, so they use like the yeah. same technique that Psycho used. So in the shower scene, you see the knife come down and it's like a montage but you never see the knife penetrate her oh. and you like barely see blood and it like the quick cuts allows your mind to like fill it in so i don't mind seeing the gore but to me like the elevated horror is when your mind like creates like the creepiness for well you. i don't think anyone likes seeing gore especially when it's in the bathroom <laughs> with manscaped <laughs> <laughs> sorry this is... oh here do you want to do you want to do it Oh my god, I do want to do this. Okay, here you go. Okay. We're, first ad read. All right. Daddy's first ad read. Crotch discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> speaking to the mic, speaking to the mic. Here you go, here you go. Crotch discomfort, hurting your game? Fear no more. The kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Mm. Sleek, sleek <gasps> soft, comfortable, oh. and flexible. The brand new Boxers 2.0 from Manscaped. Take your balls to the royal ball throne. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the lawnmower 4.0 for the trimmings. You could wear the boxers 2.0 for the chilling. Uh -huh. So let the bolts breathe and get 20% off of free shipping. By using by, offer code WATTS20. By using code DRAG. No, no, WATTS20 at manscaped.com. I swear to God. <laughs> Do you ever manscape? I don't. Why? Why? I like it furry and gross. <laughs> 
I'm all here for fur, but does it need to be I, gross? Yeah, okay. like I feel like furry okay. and musky well, is like my aesthetic. Don't listen to Stefan then, who's not supporting us apparently, uh, and our sponsors. Yeah, please don't. I'll be your manscaper. I'll get you clean. Um, but the lawnmower 4.0 is great. Travel light, travel safe. Doesn't go off in your your luggage and carry on and start buzzing to where the TSA agent thinks that you have a dildo and maybe some like some west weapon of ass destruction that's going off in your bag. Definitely happened to me before. Anyway. Um, I, I, I use mine to like help with like chastity stuff, like hair down there. Have you ever done chastity? Uh, it's not really my thing. I've done it for like a photo oh, you've shoot. Tried on... shoot. I borrowed you, yours. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you, did you, did you ever give it that back? Not that I care. I did give it back. Did you? I did. Oh, okay. Well, if you're, if you're, I am not again. participating in October, if that's the question. You still could. I could. You I will cut it off. October, no, yes. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would also though appreciate our other sponsor today, uh, which is Mr. Mr. Prep is a once daily pill that is 99% effective at preventing HIV. With oh, yeah. Mr., you can consult securely online with a licensed physician and complete all required Prep STI testing at home. Oh. Using promo code DRAG. No. <laughs> Use our link down below, offer code Watts. Mr. prescribes Prep online, so it actually makes it easy for you to get it from the comfort of your own home, regardless of COVID and other paninis. Right Mr. has you covered wherever you are in the States. Um, so it is available across the country, and they work with nearly 100 nonprofit organizations to help make Prep available for you. Keep your sexual health up to date. And uh, Mr. even follows up after your STI pan panel at home every three months. So again, get it all complete with the comfort of your home. Check out the link down below off code watts and let mr know that we sent you because prep should be easy to get and as stefan's story will also i think vouch for hiv is still prevalent in our community and the only way to help stop it is accessibility By killing me education <laughs> and mr i am so sorry he is not allowed back Stefan, no i i i mean you are a friend i think we we use that word right yeah and we do we love each do we care we care about each other yeah, I would say we love each other i love you <sighs> bro Oh, okay. That makes it hotter. Yes. Um, no, we've been friends for a very long time. Our, our friendships never like waned, but it's always been like in and out over the years. And we've definitely got closer more recently yeah. as adults and going through COVID. <laughs> yeah, going through, I, well, I think part of it was like me going through substance abuse and just kind of not really being present. For oh, see, in my mind, it was me working too much and still. I mean, continue. that was it. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> totally. <laughs> You were busy. We're I all was busy. Staying awake for days. Mm, I stay awake for days, but I edit. Editing is my drug. Don't don't keep that in. <laughs> no, maybe keep that in. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, but we've been around all the circuits, all the conventions, the Claw, IML. Have you done MIR yet? No, it's on the list. You should. It's you know what? Really actually, fun. what I really want to go do. This, this is how much me. that I'm like not like active in sex work mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the uh, Intercontinental Drag Competition in, in Chicago next Do year. it. I, yeah, I think we're going to go. Okay, yeah. let me know. And I, then, I mean that. That's not IML, like the actual like drag competition. No, I know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> oh, we've also both, duh. We've also both like competed on IML stages. You were technically my my, my title daddy. girls. Mm -hmm. um, and we both did pretty well. You mm -hmm. got third. I got fifth. I'm not better. No. I You learn a lot about yourself in contests, though. In that particular contest, yes. I think, and I was actually just talking to Jake about this, that like... My friend who does drag and is trying to get involved. Um, I think the local pageants, there's a lot more like politics and who's friends with who. Um, but like when you leave the local scene and like compete at something like IML, it's more focused on like, you have to discover how do you want to present yourself. And there's a lot branding. of kind of like, yeah, branding, it's, it's branding, soul searching, kind of like figuring out who you are. Yeah, how that presents. I agree, but you guys and Jake, your friend Jake, my friend Jake, um, who does drag, is getting involved in the the scene here. You and him, actually, which is a great segue, do your own podcast, which I've still not been invited to, and that's fine. Um, but there's a reason, no. <gasps> drag. <laughs> but you and Jake actually have your own podcast uh, called Reading Is Fundamental, mm -hmm. or Riff for short. For short, yeah. Which you guys, you guys riff a lot. Like riffing, you know, like bantering, going back and forth. We're trying to, yes. No, but yeah. it's a pun. Yeah. Um, but tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, we're baby podcasters. We're very new. We have about 10 episodes out. It's called Reading is Fundamental. Um, we were actually inspired uh, by Bussy Queen. Not Bussy. Bussy. I'm, I'm familiar with Bussy. Um, 
who did that who like broke down the drag race contract and it was super fun to watch and it was super great engaging episode. yeah it was yeah. great and we were like oh we we should do something like this we're actually attorneys um so we started a podcast that basically took that episode and copied and pasted it with other sorts of different entertainment contracts and now we're kind of expanding to just um news and like broad news and entertainment law no but that's fun and and i think it's interest so when you guys start talking about it i i'm of course brainstorming all the things you need to do you should do because that's where my brain goes from a production standpoint um and also i love bussy queen uh i watch her i, I watch her definitely more during the main seasons but i appreciate okay. her content in between like that one specifically um pretty much just a drag artist on youtube uh to give background to those who don't know who bussy is and she, gorgeous great looks but she does commentary and kind of funny banter on episodes and then did an entire breakdown to the best of her ability as not a lawyer or attorney person which is actually pretty good you know she did great yep. honestly um and read how long was the document Ooh, that document's like i don't remember but like 30 pages something like that oh, that's not that bad as somebody who's in a lawsuit that's an 81 page contract or document like okay well mm, size queen <laughs> <laughs> No, but she did a really good job of breaking down to the to the point where I was like, ooh, legalese. Yeah. Which legalese, for those that don't know, is like analese, but for legal. Have you used analese before? Um I object. I have it. I have rubbed um icy hot on my balls though. Pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't don't do that. Please. I think that's why I don't have hair on my balls. Legally, <laughs> my my are you my attorney right now? Are you, my legal team says that you should not do that at home, please. No, disclaimer. Do not try at home. Okay, Just don't, don't try on amp in person when you see him. Oh. No, but that's I, I think that the, the podcasts are all really so like I have to be in the right mood. Like there are moods where I'm like Baba Monday, I need cackling and yeah. silly shit. And then there's like Trixie and Katya. I just need something that makes no sense to go to sleep. Yep. Uh, no, I love them regardless. And then I have you and Jake when I'm like actually paying attention or want to like be educated. Um, and I really liked I really liked the episode you guys did on sex work with the owner of Just for Fans. Um, that was especially interesting. But that's also kind of why I wanted to have you on is because all the time sex work is changing. And as someone who's been in and out of sex work, still doing sex work, both of us, you know, tangentially, I'm always curious about how law treats sex and sex workers, but also kink. And we get questions all the time. And so now that I, you know, have a licensed attorney ooh, in the house, um, what's your going day rate? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> also, wait. My oh, overnight rate is. <laughs> what's your overnight rate? And do you, uh, do you proofread? Do I proofread? Oh yeah, okay. proofread. What else do you do? What's what the prep that I get from Mister? <laughs> prep prescriptions filled in the comfort of your own home. Are you? Are, wait, are, is it a suppository? Yeah, it no, can be. I don't think prep can prep be a suppository. You push it in with a dick. I need to remind everyone: this is not legal advice. Uh, this is merely us talking about and reacting and and talking about sex positive things with two ethical sluts. One. Who might just be a bit more slutty than the other? I'll let you guys guess who. Uh, well, before we get to the questions, have you heard about the New York candidate who released a sex tape uh, as part of this campaign? I think I just had a stroke. What did you? What? So it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just happened. I just read about it today. So I guess someone's running for something in New York, and he has a very like sex positive platform. Um, and as part of his platform. He released a sex tape. House hopeful in New York released a sex tape to show his sex positive approach. A New York candidate in is putting some skin in the congressional campaign, releasing a sex tape reportedly to demonstrate his he him pronouns commitment to sex positive approaches. Mike Itkis, okay. who is a long shot campaign to upseat representative Jerry Nadler, I hate last names in Congress, released a video of himself having sex on camera that was posted to a porn site earlier this year. Does it say what site? The cybersecurity expert told ITK in a statement on Friday that filming the X-rated video with porn star Nicole Sage was one of the most meaningful experiences of his life. Oh, good for him. Good for Nicole Sage. Creating the video significantly influenced my political platform, leading me to create principles of sex work legislation to speak out 
about the complexities of consent and the pros and cons of privacy considerations. Wow. I found I would just talk about it. It would de demonstrate my commitment to the issue. Interesting. Ickes' campaign website described the candidate as not married, no kids, not celibate, and atheist. Would you vote for him? I mean... <laughs> Welcome to the episode. <laughs> he sounds like a pretty cool guy. I would want to know like what his other like, yeah. stances are. But like I would assume if he's very pro-sex worker, normally that means like the rest of it kind of goes with it. Agreed. Although, I, I, yeah, I would want to hear more, but like, that's kind of the topic of today's episode, though, is like sex work legalities and like how, especially with kink stuff, we are held accountable by the law or where the law falls short. And so I figured, why not have someone who is an attorney onto the show answer people's questions? And so today we are answering a bunch of your guys' questions that you sent in to ask someone who's into the law how all of this works so we could could we title this ask a lawyer ask a lawyer can i legally say that uh you can can we call it spelunking unking unking deep inside the dms okay but now say it, but look at them spelunking unking unking deep inside the dms sure welcome to ask a lawyer anything where today <laughs> we are answering your questions about legalese and i'm not talking about the stuff you put in your butt to make anal easier all around kink, sex, and do those contracts actually hold up in court? Don't answer that yet. Oh, yeah. Yet. Uh, what's your favorite legal pun? Legal pun? Do you have any legal puns? Um, How about legal pundits? Maybe they'll vote for this guy in, in New York. I don't know any legal pun. What are your, what's your favorite legal pun? Uh, objection. The question was, uh, how, does that, how does that relate? Sustained. Sustained. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, my favorite legal pun. Have you ever played attorney uh, Ace Wright? Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. Ace attorney. Every day. <laughs> no, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney. It's a video game where you're a, a lawyer. You you know very well that the only video game I play is Dead by Daylight because that's the only video game I know. I'm how still to surprised play. that I weaseled you. I mean, I convinced you into playing that game. I, I was so even surprised. I can't figure out Pokemon Go. That's like the only thing I can play. Oh Jesus. I will say, though, before we get into this, nothing that we talk about today should be considered attorney advice. Absolutely not. This doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Have you seen us? I'm not your attorney, so... Also, I'm... we've never been in a relationship, so that wouldn't even make sense. No. We, no, we've never even had sex, have we? I don't think so. <laughs> the fact that we have to think about that. <laughs> Legally. Legally. I'm not your lawyer. And this is not advice. This is entertainment. Is it? I, I don't know. Insert shade rattle. Ask your fans who are writing things down, who are taking notes. This is for you, notes takers. Oh, there's a test. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to hopefully test your patience in the process. No. And today's episode is also sponsored by Helix Sleep. So thank you again, Helix, for allowing us a bed to make and then lay in with all of the legal jargon we're about to use. Give me legal words. Go. Legal words. Um, I object. Uh, de novo. Uh, I don't know. I don't like being put on the spot. <laughs> is Legally Blonde your favorite movie? No, Halloween is, but Legally Blonde is up there. Okay. And can you do a bend and snap? Uh, bend and snap. <laughs> I, li I liked that the shirt popped up at the Can end. Can anyone now? Oh, oh, you, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. How was it? Yeah. Yeah. Put the arms up. Oh my God. The bend and snap works every time. God, we're so gay. So as your gay legal advisors who are not legally being held accountable in nope. any of these answers, welcome to Ask a Lawyer Anything, where you asked us some kinky questions and me, as well as... You, licensed attorney, will help answer your kinky questions, hopefully. Um, and Which is a kind of especially interesting, not only because the, the New York guy is trying to run for office, but uh, recently there's been some, some workings in like how consent works into all of this as well. So I hope that we get into that. Um, but I feel like we should just start out with the first question. Yeah, let's go for it. So our first question today comes from Terrible Lotus, who says, What are some of the most frustrating things as a kinky lawyer regarding sex, laws, rules, and regulations? Um, I think the immediate thing that comes to mind is SESTA-FOSTA and kind of relating consensual sex work, non-consensual sex work, and sex trafficking. Um, and I think at the heart of that 
is this misconception both generally and in the law um that there's no that sex workers don't have agency that there's no consent that they need to be rescued um jesus that yeah like this whole concept that we need to rescue them and not give them rights and not give them the autonomy help to, i'm blinking help help to, help help <laughs> to make bodily uh uh to have bodily autonomy and make like sorry, choices for to have what bodily autonomy <laughs> there was a few autonomies in there autonomies. <laughs> And while I'm not a lawyer or an attorney in any way, shape, or form, I would definitely say the silliest one in my own mind is it is legal to make porn, but it is illegal to be a sex worker doing prostitution. Yeah, that's... That is the weirdest law on the books, and it only works because in porn, you are... the, the It is art. It is a First Amendment. That is the uh, yep. only thing that's saving it. Thank you, Larry Flint, you know, in his case, but like, it is the wildest thing that... Because the, gov the government looks at porn and they say, porn is art, therefore it is okay. But prostitution is still illegal because you're providing sexual services. And maybe in a kinky sense, you are getting paid for it. Which mm -hmm. for some reason is less okay versus the guys who go and like do football for a living. And literally destroy their bodies and get paid millions of dollars Ooh. for people's pleasure. Like, how is that different? Yeah, no, it's... So it's not, no, <laughs> it's not, but it also begs the question that like, um, can you, can you transform prostitution to art by simply having a camera there? I like if you, if you're <sighs> escorting and you're like, Hey, let's have the camera up. I want to film for OnlyFans. And yes, you're still getting paid. Is that, is that now a, a booking fee, a model fee? So that's just it. And also, so there was a case in California where there was a producer that hired uh, a couple girls to do a porn shoot. They tried to charge him with prostitution um, and it reached, I believe, the California Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said that because it was for the purpose of the film, it, it was not prostitution. Yeah. Other states, Supreme Court, have not reached that decision. And I think the thought process is their, their states would not prosecute because if it went that high, they would probably lean in favor of free speech. And yeah. nobody wants to test that out. Well, and there was a bunch of questions in the thread, and there was hundreds of questions. I've just chosen a few really good ones okay. about OnlyFans, the Just for Fans, the sex work of it all. And the, the real answer to pretty much all of them is prostitution is obscenity in the law. You are not taking down people's legal paperwork and their job status and like their W-4s. Whereas these sites now, OnlyFans and Just for Fans, whether you realize it, are tracking their models via paperwork, you, taxes, you know, they, they have a, actual consent forms you have to fill out before you can post stuff. And so there is legalese there. There's a lot of paperwork that happens that you don't see, but that's why these people are allowed to do it. And it's not seen as prostitution, but it's seen as pornography and sex work in the legal sense. Mm -hmm. The more you know. Ooh, this next one is an area I'm not super familiar with. I mean, we all know what cruising is, but Kate asks, what is the realistic legality of public cruising and sex? How much legal trouble can you get in if caught? Uh, this is a great question. I'm uh, not a lawyer, but I feel like something <laughs> about indecent exposure is about to happen. Uh, yeah. So again, this depends where you're at. And a lot of this is um, municipality, which means like the Bless you. specific city <laughs> you're in. So it depends what municipality you're in, which basically means uh, what city you're in. Uh, so let's start with uh public cruising first before we get into sex um so i'm on the board of directors for bailiff which is the lgbt bar association and we were recently advocating uh to get rid of there's a statute in california that makes it illegal to loiter in a restroom and that's still on the books today which means that if you're in a restroom loitering and a police officer's there and he wants to charge you with it, he could. And there's a lot of bias in the police department against queer people. So depending on oh. the context, say say he thinks there's a drug deal going on or say he thinks there is public sex going on and he can't like get you for that, he may be able to try to get you for, and I'm saying a he, that person uh, mm -hmm. for, for public cruising or loitering in a bathroom. I know that... Um, Again, depending where you're at, uh, having sex paraphernalia on you is criminal. There's some places where 
Uh, so having let's I, hypothetically then like having a condom on me just because I'm a safe sex haver at all times yes. could be seen as paraphernalia. Yes. Could be probable cause for someone to be like, you're loitering in this bathroom. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I okay. the last I've seen this, I don't even know if this the law is current, but I feel like it was happening in Las Vegas where they would what? think I mean they if it was gonna happen somewhere, it was gonna happen in Las Vegas. Um, but they would think that girls were escorting and they would look through their purse and if there was a condom there. That would be enough for the for them to charge them with whatever the crime is around, however it's labeled in Las Vegas. And I know that that similar laws exist all throughout the world. And um, looking through women's purses for condoms um, has been a way to criminalize. Reminder: even 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 the straight women should be on prep if they want to get on prep. Get on prep, y'all. <laughs> um, now, regards to sex. Um, you did mention indecent exposure. Mm -hmm. um, you have uh, to worry about becoming a sex offender. Like, I rest my case, Your Honor. Okay, uh, run, run the law and order. Bum, bum, dun, 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 dun. And, and you could be a sex offender for doing for having consensual sex. Of course. Um, and there's a lot of stigma around being a sex offender. Like they, they, there's I think this uh, assumption that if you're a sex offender, you've done something violent. You've done something non-consensual. You force yourself on someone. It, two guys hooking up in a park. Two guys hooking up too close to a school. You having your your dick out to pee on the street too close to a school could land you with a sex offender charge. And it's it, context is not your friend because they can just make things up sometimes, or like yeah, I mean you're really at the mercy of the police officers that there and how he's feeling that day and what he wants to charge you with. And yes, you could try to fight it, but again, if you're moving through the judicial system, you're going to courts. Yeah, so that was actually the the first case in Texas where two consenting adults of the same gender were able to have consenting sexual kinky fun behind closed doors and they won and that was a, like a landmark case. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a major Supreme Court decision, one that may become in jeopardy with the Roe versus Wade being overturned. Um, but it criminalized gay sex. Mm -hmm. um, certain states, if you were charged for gay sex, even though the, the conviction was overturned by Lawrence versus Texas, may still require you to register as a sex offender oh. um, and have that status for having consensual gay sex before 2003. Gross. Yeah, as recent as 2003. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. So to answer your question, Cade, um, don't get caught, but also legally, we're telling you probably don't go cruising because there are easier ways to find sex nowadays. No, we're not saying that at <laughs> all. I go cruising all the time. Okay, I okay. love going to Buena Vista Park. <laughs> if you're going to have sex in public, I think my advice is to be very aware of your surroundings. Uh, like when you're in the park, it's dark outside at Buena Vista. You can see when people are coming up. You allegedly. Have, you have, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. You allegedly have some lead up time to like pull your dick out of someone and pull your pants back up if you think someone's coming. Next question. Next question. Next someone question. came already, it sounds like. <laughs> the Dallas Dog Father, who asks, what's the best way to protect yourself when you engage in impact play that can cause bruising in the event of someone that has regrets later? So, I mean, obviously consent's a thing, duh. But I'm curious on your own background, because I don't think there's ever been a case where consent was used for something that could be considered abusive actually held. Yeah, so I'm going to preface this that at the end of the day, it depends where you live. Like Correct. Different countries, different states um, all have different ways in which they define battery. So the legal definition of battery is in the intentional infliction of harmful contact to someone else. And harmful is kind of broadly defined. It's It could be something that's hurtful. It could be something that's unwanted. Like, I did this to Ow. you. <laughs> that could technically be considered a battery. If I spit on you, it could be considered a battery. Um, not to be confused with assault. Assault is the intentional infliction of the fear of a battery. So like me going like this ah! and you seeing it and being afraid, that part's the assault. The second that I touch mm. you, the crime is transformed into battery. Okay. So in the context um, of BDSM, like you're hitting someone, it's causing harmful contact, which is evidenced by the bruising in this question. Um, 
there's no element of consent in the crime. In the statue, it's the intentional infliction of harmful contact. There's no consent there. So when you're, if you get charged with battery, you could say it's consensual, but nobody's going to care because it's not part of the crime. It's not, it's not even an element to be considered. Now, that being said, like, what is the likelihood um, that in 2022, you're going to be prosecuted for something like this? Again, I think it depends on context and jurisdiction. If you're in a more liberal city, um, like San Francisco, like, I think the police would have a hard time prosecuting that um, if you're not seeking it out. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And so, like, while consent can't be used to, like, defend assault, obviously, and mm -hmm. I'm not saying it should be, I think that in many cases, we criminalize things like kink and BDSM in the law because it's so unknown by our own governing systems. But, like, more recently, I know that the NCSF, or the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, has started to put together this course called uh, Consent Counts. That's what they're calling it. Okay. Which is trying to elevate that consenting in some states even as you kind of said consenting to some things in some states doesn't protect you you know like even if you consent fully you can prove it like in i'll some give you an example okay please I, and i'm pretty sure this was an old like 80s california case okay um two guys were playing together a dominant and a submissive everything was consensual what they were doing they took photos and they had the photos developed i think at kodak Kodak saw the photos, Kodak turned the photos into the police, and the police charged the dominant for oh. battery, even though both of the men said it was consensual. And, and neither of them it. had any gripes about it. Yeah, like, neither were, of them had any oh gripes about God. it. Oh my God. No, do I think a prosecution like this would happen now? Probably not. No. Uh, especially with like the social media attention around and like the internet being around. But that's not to say that these some of these laws still don't exist uh, on like books everywhere. Yeah. Um, and that it may come into play in different contexts. No, absolutely. But that's where like this consent counts is starting to be talked about. Um, they're, they're trying to pretty much label and, and redefine what consent looks like in an affirmative sort of way. So it includes what's called affirmative defense for EPP or explicit prior permission. Okay. And I don't know if you're familiar, but it pretty much says that it specifies it, there's three steps to this affirmative, um, permission it says that you have to specify when people can ignore your expressed permission in an absence of consent so like consensual non-consent sort okay. of instances or even like a risk aware consensual kink a rack okay. so it does outline that uh you have to have permission for specific like restraints so you okay. are you are literally giving someone permission to use restraints or threats that you are permitting so you can slap me in the face you can tie me up you have to kind of be able to prove that and then the third part is um you are you have to have something in place that stops the scene so a right. safe word or an action or something nonverbal that that says we're done we're taking this back we're stopping and this is this is something that the ncsf is trying to put into play to not only re-navigate consent and kink but also to decriminalize the actions of bdsm because it is still so criminal in a lot of areas of our law so when you say put this into play like are they trying to create a statutory defense like are they trying to pass laws that try to put this consent element into assault and battery statutes yeah so they're working with the america law institute to create a section that is revised the model penal code or the mpc on sexual assault itself and it's supposed to replace old case law that found that consent is not a defense to assault so it's taking the problem that is well we consented to this that people use and saying well no did you consent to this by outlining what consent looks like and what BDSM even looks like when you start to factor in like taking back consent or safe words or how does restraint and consensual non-consent look, which is such an interesting thing to talk about law and consider yeah. because it's not existed before. So while it's not perfect and it's still not quite there, it is something on the horizon that I'm really excited about because it means that we're having these conversations. Yeah, 100%. And I think even that politician like being open about doing the work and like basically coming out as a sex worker in some yeah. regards i think helps to create visibility it helps it helps to end stigma that like it isn't this just like lower echelon of people doing sex work Absolutely. like I, I would be surprised to find out exactly like how many people have like 
explicit photos that are shared through media or like a slutty Twitter. Or oh, absolutely. Like um, Hi, hello. Think, <laughs> I'm excited about this project and, and like producing stigma because if you think about it, like the similar action occurs in other contexts. Like think about tattoos. A tattoo, you're literally creating a permanent mark on someone and it would be absurd for somebody to go and be like, hey, I consented to that at the time. I don't consent to it now. I'm feeling different about it. Oh, um, that was that, that was battery age and you, you it pain. And That's, sometimes you make really stupid decisions under a little bit of alcohol or something. Well, it's just allowing someone to hurt you. Yeah. Like it's the, the act of getting a tattoo is getting hurt by someone. Arguably flogging would be less impactful. <laughs> um, same thing with like contact sports. Contact sports is you're letting people consensually like hit each other. It's just not in the context of sex. So it's not stigmatized. And they're getting paid. Okay. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Okay. okay. Next question. Next question from Alonzo asked, what if someone rescinds their consent after a scene? Ooh. So we kind of talked about how consent is important already and the, the frameworks that are trying to change. But I'll take this question and like, let's say someone, the contract question came up a lot too. So this is kind of similar. People are like, well, how are kinky contracts? I watched Fifty Shades of Grey. It was great. It was terrible. But I saw this contract thing. Can those hold up in court? Like, is that a way that consent can be put in there? Oh, my God. Absolutely not. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Done. But what if consent is rescinded? How does the law see that? Okay, so two people have sex. Afterwards, someone changes their mind. Um, I mean, they could prosecute. It will go to court. And then it will basically be one party presenting an argument against another party. Uh, he, she, they said against he, she, they said, and the court will determine. And as we know, um, yes, we need to listen to victims, but also there's this like it's a process automatic knee jerk response that like you hear that someone did something to something like let's figure it out. Yeah, let's. Yeah, there's I don't know. It's that's difficult. All right, so now let's talk about this in the context of shooting a scene. You shoot a scene, someone changes their mind. Not necessarily, I didn't want to have sex with you, but maybe they're like, Excuse hey. Excuse me? <laughs> um, hey, I don't want to release that scene, or I don't feel comfortable with this anymore. I mean, oh. as a human to human, consider that. If they don't yeah, feel comfortable. be nice. Don't be an asshole, or I'll take you to court. <laughs> releasing the content, but... To protect yourself, this is where the consents and the documentation that you were talking about earlier with Just for Fans comes into play, where before the scene starts, you document, hey, we're going to be doing this scene. If you want to incorporate factors um, like NCSF put out that it's like, this is the kink scene. We're going to be doing this. You're agreeing to me beating you, me spitting on you, mm -hmm. blah, 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 with the safe word. Um, that helps. I've had scenes with people, very, very professional sex workers in the field for forever. They come in, they say, okay, where's your ID? I'm taking a picture of that. I'm putting it in this legal document system. Mm -hmm. Put your name here and there. And it already outlines every single thing. It's the nicest little system. Yeah. And sex workers that are, not only are you ready for taxes, but you also have your whole legal base covered. And even if someone came in to say like, I'm not saying you need to be a sex worker to have sex, period. But it's not a bad way to do it. Imagine, imagine you roll up to a, a, just a, a hookup, a booty call, and you're like, ID, please yeah. fill this out. Okay, snapshot, snapshot. I now own everything that you know. <laughs> so that in terms of content, you want to release, and that will help prevent consent from being revoked later. But again, be a human. If someone doesn't want the video released, don't release yeah, it. Yeah, don't be a dick. And then the third element of that is BDSM and kink. And again, in some jurisdictions, it doesn't matter if the person is consenting. So it will inherently be a risk to do... BDSM on someone else, um, but you can uh, have safeguards and try to document consent as much as possible. True. So I remember when I was filming for kink.com, we did the pre-interview and it's, it kind of, again, out goes back to what NCSF is trying to do. It's what are we doing today? And What's I'm on gonna, the table? What yeah. does it look like to stop? We're going to talk about it. Then we're going to shoot your, and before you shoot, you're going to sign all the paperwork. And then after you're going to have that exit interview, which is also going to be recorded talking about hey, I did this. I enjoy doing this. I wanted to do this. This was consensual. And that will help bolster your case that consent was present through the whole process. So let me give you an example. As somebody else who's worked with kink.com, love kink.com, great, great studio. 
but there was definitely a director at one point in time that I worked with, never worked with again, that didn't read that little pre don't don't whisper things because I know you know who it is that didn't read that pre-scene thing and just jumped into it because they saw me and I mean look at me they saw me and they're like educated kingster knows what they're doing and honestly probably just didn't care because they were working through their job um and I made I made noise I didn't sue obviously but I was like hey this director didn't read the thing I'm not in defeat and they made me lick someone's foot for like 45 minutes again no shame on the foot lovers okay i'm 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 a, I'm a stand over here I, I get to your shrimping get your cocktail shrimp but i am not into it and this guy didn't read that document could i have sued could you have sued i was uncomfy <laughs> the way you had to think about that <laughs> i mean the quick answer is that you could always sue. Oh, yeah. You could but sue I, about I, I, everything. Would you have a successful but case? That's just it. I wasn't so inconvenienced. I was just annoyed. Yeah. You know, so I wasn't about to like do anything bad. And I liked working with Kink. But speaking of Kink, Sparky actually asked this next question that says CNC, yay or nay? What's CNC? Are you kidding me? You know, CNC, yeah, you know me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, consensual non consent. Oh, have personally, you for me, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Okay, but legally, would you say CNC yay or nay? So I think at the end of the day, it's just, it's figuring out, it's all harm reduction, figuring out what level of risk you're willing to take. Um, and we call that rack, which stands for, you are the worst kinkster ever, risk-aware consensual kink. So the NCSF with their uh, explicit prior permission thing yeah. even talks about that within it, where you have to specify performances that were happening you have to name specific forms of restraints that are being used and permitted like role play and understanding the risk covered are part of that and then you also have to stipulate specific words or gestures that withdraw the permission so for example if someone says that you're you're into bdsm someone else says can i come over later and we do this and you say maybe and then they come over and do tons of like bdsm and you didn't explicitly outline it that's not consensual using this new form that they're trying to put into play yeah like, but you'll have like you'll have so you'll when you're dealing with law enforcement law enforcement doesn't know how consent and kink works they're going to be like well you as we know you consented to get beat of course you consented to do the rest of this um so i think i think for this if it's pre-negotiated your the best practice is to have things documented and i know yeah. that's not super sexy and you can make it sexy though. Yeah. You okay, you just like you slide that document over. You're like, so what are we gonna do to you? <laughs> but there, but there is a limit. So I've I've had people reach out to me. Literally, you should have limits. <laughs> um, that don't have limits, or that's like I want you to castrate me. Ah, I want you ah. to beat me till I'm bloody. And when I say stop, I don't want you to stop. And yes, they're consenting to that. And I mean, in those situations, I've said no. I mean. I've <laughs> I said maybe. <laughs> I would say in court, CNC, you're not going to go far with. That's kind of my opinion. Yeah, I don't think you're going to go far. At the end of the day, when you're in court, there's a jury there. And the jury is going to get freaked out by BDSM or, or consensual non-consent. They're not going to yeah. understand. Because you saying that all oh, these 20 guys forced themselves on me was so... Uh, they, they're going to see that as them forcing themselves on you still. They're not going to see the context of like a kinky sexy party that you went to yeah and i mean and this is more for like tops to be like safe just yeah, safe yeah, yeah. And aware of because at the end of the day if you're the person doing the action it's not the bottom that's like receiving all this that's gonna get in trouble it's gonna be okay bottom shaming now <laughs> next question okay and this one came up a bunch this one from the other films asks are written kink agreements or contracts especially where cnc is concerned enforceable long story short no Y'all seen, y'all seen Fifty Shades of Grey. It it might have been sexy for you. It still was an abusive movie. They don't hold up in court. I know that for a fact. This next one is specifically for you, Stefan, and it comes from Troy, who asks: When they say approach the bench, do you bite your lip a little bit? No. <laughs> Would you want to role play it? Okay. Approach the bench. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so hot. So I want bad. you to consensually not consent so me right Stop now. Stop it. Stop it. Stop. The next question from Ian is very topical considering the last couple of years of fan sites. And they ask, what are the protections for folks who engage in the porn industry, just for fans, only fans, Patreon, etc.? 
who also have other jobs. So the protections as far as Patreon only fans and why that's legal, but porn's not, we've already kind of covered. Mm -hmm. um, it's because paperwork happens <clears> and all that. But what about the protections if you have a real-time job? Because I know people that have gotten fired for being found out in the past. But again, this was a few years ago. Yeah. Um, there really aren't that many protections. I think when you are being hired, uh, there's two things that immediately jump out to me to look at in your contract. Uh, the first is a clause that says uh, you're only allowed to work with this company and that you're only allowed to take other work with written consent. Um, that could be them being like, oh, you're producing content. You didn't get our consent. We're able to terminate you. Uh -huh. um, the other is contracts that have morality clauses, which is basically like going against obscenity, pretty much. It could be anything, anything that just like reflects badly on the company at a certain particular point of time. Do you have negotiating power to do that? It, probably not. Mm -hmm. So I would say like proceed with caution on that one. But also, I hope that society's gotten far enough that like people that do OnlyFans or even Patreon stuff realize that like that's because y'all ain't paying us shit and we need a second job just to be able to like live, which is a sad fact in itself. But even like during COVID, there were nurses that were, you know, starting OnlyFans and there was that one like New York Post article that like went in and didn't tell the girl that they were going to do a, a hit piece on her pretty much oh, shit. and then shamed her for being a nurse who only who also had OnlyFans. Oh, it was gross. Yeah. And thank God for AOC. She jumped in and was like, let women do what they want with their bodies. But that does not protect you from your morality clauses at work. So again, this entire, I feel like this entire episode is like, proceed with caution. Yeah. Be smart. Get I mean, things in writing. general lawyer advice just across the board. It's not safe to go alone. Here, take this contract. Okay. <laughs> Next question from Buck Harder, who asks, how far does consent actually cover you in the case of mishaps or assault charges? At the end of the day, it's your level of risk, the more consent you have documented, the better. And like we said earlier, it's document consent on paper, on camera, oh, yeah, before, yeah, during, right. mm. and after. Oh. Ew. <laughs> hate it. Consent is not a defense. Never held up in court yet. Just remind you that. The next one from Natasha is getting a little strange. And they ask, what is the strangest intersection of kink and law that you've come across? Okay, so it's... Depends how you define strange. Um, I've been hearing that there have been a lot of international gay boys that are getting turned oh. away at the border. Have you heard of this? I have. I've heard of some getting actually put in jail. Yeah, put in jail, uh, deported, like turned around, sent back to their country. And basically what's happening is uh, their face is getting scanned at the border and the scan of their face is being compared against escort websites. And then they're being denied entry based on that. And I'm not sure if it's specifically like, like retmen and escort website, or if it's like also porn and legal quote unquote sex work. Mm -hmm. um, allegedly, alleged. I'm just saying allegedly whenever <laughs> we can. Allegedly, uh, but it's creepy. It's strange that like you could be going to a country on vacation and <sighs> have an ad or a profile up there that could be tangentially related to sex work and be put in jail or denied entry to a country. Case in point, there was a recent creator by the name of Titus who works in Singapore and Singapore literally like told him to cease and desist, don't post more pornography on your OnlyFans. But then Titus was literally like, well, these people have prepaid multiple months for mm. the content. It would be unethical of me to not post the content and tried to use that in court and it did not work out. He's currently in jail. No, oh. but it's scary. That's scary shit. Yeah, and it also, brings up a lot of privacy issues, yeah. a lot of data protection. So, I mean... And to me, is the newest strange intersection of thinking the law. I think the, I think the other strange one that's come up recently was that uh, Meta was allegedly accused of putting anyone that went on certain sex worky sites that weren't OnlyFans, like people that migrated from OnlyFans, onto a terror watch list. And people's actual like stats and follower numbers and engagement numbers were going down because they were putting these like do not like danger lists which is just scary. Yeah. Again, as, as a person who's just having fun with sexy times and other people from home and sharing that experience, which is art in many cases and very beautiful and fun. Why are we terrorists? Why are the actual terrorists not being tracked down? Use our money in the government to do something. Again. Next question. This one comes from Divic Pup who asks, is kinky activity that leaves marks such as bruises considered assault? Yes and no. So like we discussed earlier, um, 
difference between assault and battery. Assault, you're not actually touching someone, you're causing fear. The battery is the touching someone. So, yes, causing bruises on ow, someone. Ow, 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 you saw that. Would be, <laughs> uh, would be battery. The surprising thing is, is that you don't have to cause a bruise. The crime is committed the second the touch happens. Uh. Um, and I've been, in my research, I've seen cases where um, someone was charged for battery for using a writing crop. <gasps> and the person had no bruises, but just the fact that he was touched with the writing crop completed the crime. And get this, the fact that he was using a writing crop elevated the crime to, uh, I believe, like battery with a deadly weapon. Now you're just horsing around. No. <laughs> Nay. Nay. <laughs> so, short answer, yes. Long answer, be careful. Next question from Andrew asks, any tips on mitigating risk from HIV criminalization during hookups or cruising? Ooh. That's a great question because it is still legal for someone to be like, I had sex with them. I am now HIV positive, even though they were being safe and they might have disclosed yeah like, i'm going to now charge them and people have actually been put in jail so we're going to break this up into two different areas the first is around hiv disclosure laws um there's a lot of jurisdictions where it is illegal not to disclose your hiv status the other person does not have to test positive they don't have to submit to a test even uh they just have to claim that you did not disclose your status so what's the solution to that disclosing your status and doing it in a way that is um evidenced but that in some areas then puts you as illegal because now you are someone who is just like having hiv is wait having is having hiv illegal no so it's so oh, the, so okay so the, i think that no i think it's a good point so i think there's a lot of confusion so the law isn't like the law is centered around not disclosing which just leads to more terror and yeah, yeah. so i mean so so the, the answer to that is is to disclose and to disclose in a way that if someone ever said you didn't disclose, you could point back in the conversation. It says it right here in my profile. It says it in this message. Um, does using words like I'm clean, I'm undetectable, is that su sufficient? I don't know. Um, it's definitely stigmatizing. <laughs> yeah, no, and then, so you bring up another point is that, um, so yes, you're giving this information out. That's pretty personal information, and it's yeah. it could be stigmatizing for people to know. Or used against that, you. Or Yeah, or used against you. You could be outed to people. And in a day and age where we at PrEP, where uh, people who are undetectable don't transmit, I don't feel like there is an ethical obligation to disclose your HIV status from a non-legal standpoint. Of course, legally disclose, but if, if I'm undetectable and there's 0% chance of me causing transmission, why should I have to disclose that personal information that can be used in a harmful way? I really think a condom looks cute on a dick. That's nice. <laughs> oh, okay. So the other part of that um, is in regards to sex work. There's a lot of places uh, where the crime of prostitution can be elevated because of HIV. So again, you disclosing your status may not be a good thing, because, like, say you get arrested in a place where it's illegal to be HIV positive and be an escort. Um, you could probably get away with it the first time because they'll test you and you could be like, I didn't know. But, I mean, if you're, if you're HIV, even if the adults are consenting, you could be charged for mm. the elevated crime. Scary. Yeah, very scary. And it's something that should definitely be changed and repealed. Like, there's, okay. no, there's no other Absolutely. law around any other STI that's similar. Okay, well, last question today comes from Ronnie, who says, Ronnie. what are the things to worry about if you want to open up a kinky store? A kinky store? Oh, okay. Like sodomy law? I mean, like, for instance, some places you can't have or own more than, like, uh, one sex toy or two sex toys within your household. And so that's why novelty stores are such a thing. So open up a novelty store, not like sex stuff. Like, don't open up a sex shop. Open up a novelty store. Maybe get Spencer's involved. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the thing that I would look at first would, this I think would be very, like, location specific. True. Um, I love that you break it down before you get into it. It's so sexy when you break things down in a way that makes me so confused. I like breaking things. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so yeah, like, look, your, your city or your town probably has laws 
that are very specific to how sex venues or sex stores can operate, how close they could be to one another, what times they're open, what products they could sell. And I mean, and that's going to inform how practical it is to open up a kinky store in your community. Nice. Okay, now I have my own question, actually. Um, how many illegal things have you done in your life? How many legal things? Illegal things. Illegal things? No comment. I please. <laughs> Fine. Actually, actually, actually I, no, I you don't even answer. answer it. Do you want to answer yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I was joking mostly. Actually, you could find out by purchasing my book, Blue oh, Movie. Okay. Okay. Available finally. at unbounditionpress.com. Okay, Stefan, where can people find you? And then I've got one last question for you. But what 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 are you doing? What did you just release? Sure. So I just released uh my first book. Blue movie by Undown, <laughs> Unbound Edition Press. Um, you can find me on all the socials at, at Blue Bailey SF. You can find me on my podcast at Reading is Fundamental Podcast. And you can find me late at night in Buena Vista Park trying to make new friends. Okay. And you can find me everywhere at Pup Now, last question of the day, though, Stefan, what is your safe word? Time. What is your safe word? <laughs> what is my safe word? My safe word is Halloween ends because that is what we're going to see right after this. Oh. Trauma. Trauma. Stefan, thank you again for coming on today, answering some questions, and just being our legal eagle. If you guys have any more questions, though, there is a comment box down below where you can ask things. There's always the social medias to follow Stefan. Ring that bell if you like ringing bells, as Daddy would say. And don't forget to subscribe to What's a Safe Word, and we will see you all next time. And I like compliments in the comments. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I feel like there's plenty of silliness. Are we um, done? Is there one more question? We're going to do one one opening. There's not one more question. One more question. Actually, last question. Last question. Did you have a good time? That's all right. No, I missed this. Nope. I'm good. I, I miss doing this with you. Ah! Like, it's so fun. We get to chat. We get to catch up. I mean, if people leave enough likes, I'll have you back. <gasps> yes. Leave likes. Leave comments. Compliments. Compliments in the comments. Bye.